You are listening to Press Church Podcasts. Please enjoy this week's message. We're glad to be here in Williston. It's a little ways from McKinney, Texas. Matter of fact, we mapped it. It was 998 miles. But it was a good thousand miles to get here to you. And, uh, and Pastor Jeremiah asked me to share something specific with you today. It's something that I shared actually with our church at the very beginning of the year. And I've just titled the message 21 uh, for this year. And I began to just go through some scriptures that had the number 21 attached to them, whether that was a chapter number or a verse number. And I found some pretty marvelous things um, to for us to look to and to hold on to for this year in 2021. How many of you know that we need God in 2021? We need him. And he's a very present help in our times of need and our times of trouble. And so I'm glad to know that. I'm glad to know that. Aren't you glad to know that today, right now, that God is on your side? Huh? Since God's on your side, that means he has a plan for you to win because God does not lose. All right, so since he's on your side, you're on the, on the winning side, and that's good to know. So that way, whatever controversies, whatever adversities, whatever challenges or troubles or trials that you face this year, you can know that God has a win in it for you, okay? That's, that's who he is. He's created you to be more than conquerors. Jesus is the conqueror, and then he gifted you with that same victory, which made you more than conqueror. You didn't even have to fight for it. Huh? You didn't even have to fight for this victory. Jesus did that for you. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And he disarmed the devil of all of his power. And so, he's all, he, so then he's given you not only, not only that, uh, that victory, but also his authority. So that when you declare his name, you declare the highest authority in your life and in the earth and into your situation. Don't forget to proclaim the name, to say the name, Jesus. Hmm? Because when you apply his name, you apply his power and his authority into your situation. It's a marvelous thing. But if we're silent, we're not going to see the evidence of that. We're not going to see the manifestation of it. So it's important that we be agents of our confession of faith, and we hold fast our confession. And uh, so I want to go to Genesis. We're going to start there in Genesis Chapter 21, Genesis 21, and uh, read verses 1 through 7. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. As a matter of, well, I'm not really supposed to be preaching right now. Uh, my wife and I are on a sabbatical, and uh, so we, we are for the next few weeks. As a matter of fact, I took this entire semester off from are the Bible school I teach at from Christ for the Nations. These two are graduates from, and that's where their love connection was made. Um, and uh, so, so just, just through some prayerful consideration and guidance by our spiritual leadership and by the Lord, really, I mean, uh, um, it was just, didn't realize just how tired we really were and how uh, much we, we just needed to step back you know, we've been in ministry, I've been in full-time ministry since May of uh, 1995, and I've never done anything like this. So this is a new chapter in Heather, uh, in mine and Heather's lives, and, um, but I'm excited about what God is going to reveal to us during this time. But Jeremiah, Pastor Jeremiah asked me, and I thought, 
Yeah, because really preaching to you is really kind of like resting. This is an easy church to preach at. Amen. Because I know that you're people of faith. And I know that you're people who are hungry for the word of God. So I'm honored to be here today. Genesis 21, 1 through 7. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. Everybody say, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Let's say that, as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, for I have borne him a son in his old age. She's 90, Abraham is 100, when the promised son is born. Isaac, which... which means laughter. His name literally means laughter. And I love that her conclusion in this, now Hebrews says that Sarah judged God faithful. She judged him faithful. You can judge God, but you can only judge him one way, faithful. All right? She judged God faithful. And here she says, at the end of this, God has made me laugh. How many of you know that he turns your mourning into dancing? He turns your sorrow into joy. Huh? And so all of this waiting, all of this anticipation, as her body is showing no evidence of getting younger, Abraham's body is showing no evidence of getting younger, they're getting older, the years continue to go by, and for 24 years they had heard this promise, but then in year 25 something changed because Abraham and Sarah got the promise in their mouth. They had heard God say it, God say it year after year after year after year after year, but when God changed his name and her name, they got the promise in their mouth. Every time Abraham had to introduce himself, it was no longer I am father, now it is I am father of the world. I'm father of a multitude of nations. Well, where are your kids? Well, we haven't started yet, but we're getting there. And then Sarah would say it too. She would speak her name and his name. And so once that happened, that sped up the process of the promise. And the thing that we can learn from Sarah and Abraham here, based on this passage of scripture for the year 2021, and I want to encourage you to jot these things down and, and go back over them and look at them, is God's promises are worth the wait. God's promises are worth the wait. See, you and I, our reality is, as believers, on this side of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that God's answer to us is yes. I said God's answer to you is yes. Now, now religious people don't know that well enough. Huh? They come up with certain phrases like, if, if you pray for something that didn't happen, well, the Lord knows best. I guess his answer was no. God has obviously has something better for me. Well, wait, wait, is he? A, is wait, does God is he a God of his word or not? Huh? Is he a God of his word? No. Somewhere along the way, we've allowed circumstances, things we don't understand, even our own experiences, 
to sully that incredible promise from God. God's not the one who goes back on his word. He doesn't waver in his promise. He never changes. He's the same when? Yesterday, today, and forever. Which means if God has fulfilled a promise before, then he has to do it again and again and again and again because God cannot lie. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. So it's worth waiting for. What does it mean to wait on God? What does it mean to wait on God? Huh? It means to believe him. It means to trust him, trust that his word is true, and you will see the manifestation of that promise in your own life. You know, it's one thing to read about the promises of God, but how many of you know it's another dynamic in life to live in those promises, to experience them, to see them come to pass in our lives? And Abraham and Sarah are speaking to us, echoing from thousands of years ago to say, it's worth the wait. Stay engaged in faith. Keep the word in your mouth. Keep that promise in your mouth because now for you and I, as New Testament believers, Jesus ensured now, as according to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20, for all the promises of God are in Christ, in him, yes, and in him, amen. Amen. So it's worth the wait because you know it's going to happen. But we'd like to see it a little sooner than later, wouldn't we? <laughs> God is faithful. Joshua, chapter 21. The reason I want to look at Joshua is because Joshua is an Old Testament type of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, God named his son after Joshua. Now, no doubt Moses is the greatest figure in the Old Testament. Can we all agree here? I mean, he wrote the first five books of the Bible. All right? He's the one who... The Lord called at 80 years old to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the bondage of slavery that they had been enslaved there for over 400 years. And now, by these great signs and wonders and acts of God, God, through Moses, the mediator, brings them out of Egypt. But, but you know, Moses did something marvelous there, but Moses didn't take them to where God was going, where God had promised them that they would go. Joshua was the one who took them into promise. And the reason that God named his son after Joshua and not after this greatest Old Testament figure, Moses Messiah, I mean, that's got a nice ring to it, right? Moses Messiah, no, they named him Joshua Messiah, which they called him, the Jews called him Yeshua, which is Joshua, Yeshua Hamashiach, Joshua the Messiah. Now, through Greek transliteration, we know his name has become Jesus, but nobody called him Jesus back then. They all called him Joshua. And the reason that they, God wants you, wanted to name his son Joshua, is so that you and I would be more, think about this, more uh, uh, focused and tuned in on what we've been delivered into than what we've been brought out of. See, many people's testimony, I can remember growing up as, I mean, I grew up in church all my life, right? I mean, very sheltered in many ways. And I thank God for it now. Back then, I just thought my parents were awfully mean and strict. And I would hear somebody would come give their testimony. I shot this, I raped that, I stabbed that, and I stole this, and I snorted this, and I smoked this, and I did this, and I did this, and blah, blah, blah. I got this, lay out their whole rap sheet, but Jesus saved me. Everybody's like, oh, what a powerful testimony. His whole testimony is about, or she, is about what they've been brought out of. But hey, but hey, listen, the real testimony is, what have you been brought into? 
Amen. Jesus has brought you into a better covenant established upon better promises. He brought you out of darkness and translated you into the light of his son. Amen. And that's when every time you say the name of Jesus, you are proclaiming promise. Amen. You are proclaiming this salvation existence now that you live in. This salvation experience. Hallelujah. That you are saved. You are whole. You are blessed. You are highly favored of God. Let's not think about so much what we've been brought out of, but what we've been brought into. And Joshua would teach us in in Joshua 21. Listen to this. This is so powerful. 43 and 45. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Look at verse 45. Not a word failed. Of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel, all came to pass. What's Joshua going to teach us here? Huh? Huh? God's word never fails. God's word never fails. So if all of it came to pass here, now let's remember this time. This is uh, the time of what's called the Old Testimony or the Old Covenant, which is under the law of Moses. But as I mentioned earlier, Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 says that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant established upon better promises. So if if all comes to pass there and it doesn't all come to pass in the New Testament, is it really a better covenant? Hmm? Well, if it's not, I mean, if we don't, if all of his promises don't come to pass here, but they did back then, let's just go back. No, if they, if they came to pass there, they're much more going to come to pass here because this is the covenant. As the Bible says, this is the glory that excels. The other one was fading away. So God brought one, uh, made a new covenant with us that just gets better and better and better and better all the time. Amen. Can I get a good Amen. Let's look at what King David, we all love David, don't we? Who was called the great king. The great king of Israel. Jesus came from the lineage of David. David the psalmist, David the warrior, David the worshiper. In Psalms chapter, can you guess what chapter number? 21. He opens this chapter with this heart of gratitude about what the Lord has done for him as the king of Israel. It's beautiful. And that, for the sake of time, we're not going to read all of it, but I want, I want you to... And then, and then as, as the, 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 the subject kind of shifts a little bit along the way in Psalms chapter 21, then he talks about those who have devised evil against God. And in verse 11, it says, For they intended evil against you. They devised a plot which they are not able to perform. Oh, I like that. They devised a plot which they are not able to perform. Let me just tell you something. In this year, the devil is plotting and scheming against you. All right? He's got traps. He has bait. He has all kinds of things set up to trip you up, to hurt you, to hurt your life, to hurt your family. But listen to me. What you need to know is he will not be able to perform those things. Matter of fact, what is it, Isaiah 54 says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you'll condemn it. 
Look at verse 13. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing and praise your power. All right? Listen, let this be the year where you, in those difficult moments, when the circumstances and the storms of life are raging around you, that you open your mouth and you do not talk about the powers that be, but you talk about his power. Huh? You praise, praise, let's just write this down. Praise his power in every circumstance. Praise his power in every circumstance. Magnify the Lord with me, David said. Let us exalt his name together. Hmm? You can't see it. The pressure's on. The heat's on. Things are difficult. Things are challenging. Things look uncertain. But you have a song. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. I remember a lady called me a couple years back and asked me to come pray for her ex-brother-in-law. Like a Jerry Springer show, doesn't it? Anyway, her ex-brother-in-law, those of you that are old enough to remember that, and uh, he had, this man had been in our church for a number of years, the name of David, and she asked me to come pray for him because basically he was given a hopeless report by the doctors. His pancreas had basically turned on him, and as a result, it was poisoning his entire system, and all of his organs eventually began to succumb to that poison. He was shutting down rapidly. So she asked me to come up to the hospital and uh, pray for him. Well, when I got there, uh, she informed me that the doctor said that we couldn't go in the room because they had just done this procedure, and I hate to, I don't want to be terribly graphic, but he had bloated up so much because of this poison. It was so that they actually had to cut him open which increased his chances for survival from 2% to 4%. All right? Doubled his chances, but <laughs> it's only 4%. I mean, it was dismal. And, and so basically, they're just kind of waiting for David to die. And, and they said, you can't go in there because of, I mean, it's way too easy to transfer germs. And so she said, well, Pastor Eric, I know that you need to go in there and lay hands on him. I said, well, you know, the word of God works anywhere. Remember, the centurion told Jesus, you just speak the word, and I know my servant will be made whole. I said, we can agree right here in the, in the first. She said, no. I brought oil, and you're going to lay hands on him, anoint him with oil. I said, well, the doc, we heard that. She said, I'll be right back. Said, okay, so I'm standing in there in the foyer waiting on her to come back. And that stubborn lady comes back, and she says, the doctor said, we can go in, but, but briefly, so let's go. I said, all right, let's go. So we walk in. I'm telling you, the moment I walked in this room and I looked at this man laying here, all I saw was death. Just gray skin. I mean, his eyes were slammed shut. There was no sign of life. Just machines doing all the work for him. And suddenly my faith was challenged. But I don't think that was as near as important in that moment because her faith was incredible. And she reaches in her little purse and she pulls out this little vial of anointing oil and she said, here. So she takes the cap off and she dabs my fingers with it. And I can, I can remember the words of my father in my head when he was training me about pastoral uh, leadership and how to be a pastor, it's specifically concerning hospital visitation. 
And I heard these words come from him. Heal the sick. So I walked over to David and put my hand on his cold head. I said, David Krill, I'm here to speak the word of the Lord over you. He sent his word and healed you and delivered you from your destruction. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So you be healed in Jesus' name. Now can I just, can I be honest with you? Is it okay if I get a little bit vulnerable with you? I wasn't feeling any of that. I'm saying words, but there's no feelings backing it up. Huh? I wish I could say the Holy Ghost came in the room and I got the chill bumps and the organ, you know, playing in the background and oh, we were having church. But no, there was just, just it just was like cold and empty feeling in the room and death and hopelessness, but words of life were being declared. Listen to me. Do not underestimate the power of the tongue because death and life are in the power of the tongue. So after we finished, walked out, I thought, well, praise God, we did it. Three days later, listen to me, three days later, David Creel is sitting up in bed eating soup. Several days later, he gets out of the hospital and walks back through the door of our church and sits and has church with us. How? Because in those circumstances, we are, as children of God, not dictated or moved by what we see, what we feel, what we hear. Huh? We are moved by one thing, what God has said. And let God be true. And every man a liar. Amen. All right, let's, let's look at Solomon right quick. Shouldn't we hear from the wisest king? So let's go to Proverbs, you guessed it, 21. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 23. And, and this will kind of just piggyback on what I said. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. And all the married people said. <laughs> Whoever guards... His mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. All right, we need to pay attention here. What does Solomon teach us for 2021? Watch your words. Watch your words. Turn to somebody and tell them, watch your words. It says it keeps your soul. Well, what is your soul? Your soul is your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions. How many of you know we're living in a day when emotions are kind of leading the way? Huh? The rants that are out there are, are in multitude. But really, what he says is watch your words. Guess what you'll keep? You'll keep a sound mind. If you watch your words, then you'll, your will will always be right. It'll always be in tune with God. Watch your, watch your words. You'll keep your emotions in check. That's why James teaches us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Get that backwards a lot, though, don't we? My grandmother used to tell me, that's why you got twice as many ears as you do a mouth. You need to do twice as much listening as you do talking. James said it like this in James chapter 3. He says, if anyone, now listen to this, if anyone does not stumble in their words, they are a perfect person. Wow. Able also to lead and to restrain the entire body. 
Maybe, maybe uh, this is what this teaches us. The primary key to self-control is right here. Your tongue is guiding your life. And if you don't like where your life is, start saying some new things. Help shift your life into a new direction. Because you and I are created in the image of God. And guess what? When you speak, things get created. Words build, words destroy. Words bring life, words bring death. Okay? So you can frame your world with the word of God so that you can live the life that God has called you to live. All right? That's the good thing. You can change your course today. Did you hear that, Eric? I heard it. I heard it. I'm preaching right to you. I know. Now we need to hear from Jesus. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22. Oh, this is such a powerful verse of scripture. Simple, beautiful, profound, and true. And whatever thing, everybody say whatever. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Hmm. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. You know, in Mark chapter 11, it says it a little bit different. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 22, Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. And then he gives an illustration of what faith in God looks like. For whoever says to this mountain, he points out a mountain, think about this. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Whoa. Then he says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. It's interesting. He says that whoever says to this mountain, and then he says, whatever things you desire. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is not concerned with the who or the what? But have we not been trained many times to be concerned with the who and the what? You better make sure you're praying the will of God. You better make sure that that's the right desire. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't talk, he says, whatever things you desire. And whoever, now I'm saying whoever, because sometimes we disqualify ourselves. Like I'm a pastor, but I have people call me today. My own congregation calls me and asks me to call my mom to pray for them. I'm like, she's not your pastor. Because they think sometimes it's about the who's praying. If Miss Ann prays, Things will happen. Well, they do happen. You know why? Because she believes what Jesus said. And she's not so concerned about the whoever. You shouldn't be concerned about the whoever. You need to know that you are just as favored by God as anybody else out there. That he loves you just as much as he loves anybody else. And he wants to hear from you just like he wants to hear from everybody else. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart but believes, and then whatever things you desire... When you pray, believe you receive them. It's not so much about the what and it's not so much about the who. It's the how you're praying. He is deeply concerned about how you're doing it. Believe you receive. Jesus said the key to getting your prayers answered is to believe that you're going to get what you've asked for. Whoa, what a great, what a great invitation from God. huh? Let's take Jesus at his word. Because you know what Jesus didn't do when he said that? He didn't say, now I'm not saying you can just ask for anything like we do. That's exactly what he said. But these religious ding-dongs teach us right out of it. They reason us right out of it. Don't let reason rob you of your faith. Just take him at his word and believe him. Amen.
Amen. And then one more place for Jesus. I wanted to give him two. Is that okay? All right. He's at least worth two. Luke chapter 21. I'm almost through. Luke 21, verses three through four. Look at this. So he said, truly I say to you, oh, I'm sorry. That one that Jesus taught us is pray in faith. How about that? Pray in faith. Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty. So one gave out of their abundance, many gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. Huh. Hmm. Put in all the livelihood that she had. Notice what Jesus said. She gave out of her poverty. There are two meanings to this. <laughs> she gave from an impoverished position, and guess what? She gave her way out of poverty. Because here's the, here's the interesting thing about what Jesus did. He's, think about this. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ himself, in physical form, we, we have him by faith, right? We have the Christ in us, the hope of glory. His spirit lives in us. But what if he, in bodily form, walked into that door right as Pastor Jeremiah was about to receive the offering? Jesus is sitting where they put the money in this, this box, all right? He's sitting there watching what people put in. I mean, can we, can we be honest? Maybe that day you might give probably the biggest dollar bill denomination that you've got in your wallet that, hey, Jesus, I'm a big giver. Right? I mean, if he's sitting there watching what you're putting in, I, I might be a little, I might be motivated a little differently. And he's sitting there watching, and he calls his disciples over after he sees these rich people come in, and they're putting in good offerings, right? But it's no, it's no sweat off their back. They're giving out of their abundance. There's no sacrifice in that giving. It's not saying it's necessarily wrong or bad what they're doing, but here's somebody who's making a difference. This woman gave everything that she had. She had a couple of pennies to her name. That was it. And she put it in the offering. Do you know what preachers would go to jail for that kind of thing today? You know, or, or be accused of? Oh, that preacher took that all. She, he took all her money. She put everything that she had in the church. And here's the thing, what Je this is what Jesus didn't do. Grandma, come back here for a second. Come here. Won't you dip both hands down in that wad of cash from the abundance that these guys gave? We don't need you two pennies, sweetheart. You take what, just get what you want here and go and be blessed. No, he didn't do that. He let her walk out completely broke. And then he goes, did you guys see that? That was awesome. She gave everything she had. These guys, they, they tipped God, but she gave everything that she had. Why didn't he try to rescue her there? Because Jesus knows the law of God that whatever you sow, you will reap. And if she gave all of her livelihood, now it's God's turn to take care of her. He knew she was going to walk into something wonderful. She was going to walk into supply. She gave out of her poverty. I want to encourage you this year. Give like you depend on God. Give like you depend on God. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will also reap. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to let nothing be between you and him when it comes to giving. A wise man, <clears throat> I heard a wise man once say, when I was a student at Christ for the Nations, his name was Wayne Myers. And Wayne Myers said, if there's something in your life that you can't give away, you don't own it. It owns you. Let nothing own you but him. Amen.
And then the Apostle Paul. We need to hear from him. He's our apostle, isn't he? The apostle of the Gentiles. A couple of honorable mentions, and then I'm going to get to one, because Paul doesn't have any books that he wrote that have 21 chapters, but he does have a few 21 verses, all right? Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a good one, isn't it? How about 2 Corinthians 5, 21? He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Ooh, I love that one. How about Ephesians 3.21? Well, you know 20. It says, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And then 21, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. But I want to look at this one. 1 Corinthians 1.21. 1 Corinthians 1.21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. In other words, the world through its own wisdom did not know God. It pleased God, I love this, through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. This gospel message is foolishness in the eyes of the world, according to the wisdom of the world. Because the wisdom of the world says, work hard, do your best, and it'll all work out in the end. If you do more than, than good than bad, then, 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 then guess what? The good will outweigh the bad. How many of you know that ain't going to save you? You can be as good all day long as you want to. I mean, the pathway to hell is paved with good intentions itself. Think, is that in the Bible? No, I don't think it is. Anyway. The only thing that can save you and I is a message. And he says it's through the foolishness of the preaching of that message. That's the only way people can get saved, those who believe that message. Wow. I can remember struggling for many years of wondering how to be an effective witness. I don't know what to say. That's, what, that's the, kind of what I would think. I don't know what to say to people until I really got it. My explanation of the gospel don't save anybody. My proclamation of the gospel is what saves people. It's the message itself. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's a message, and it is a message proclaimed. The very first Gentile convert, Cornelius, had an angel come to him and tell him these words in Acts eleven fourteen. Peter, this man Peter that I need you to send for, he will tell you words by which you and all your house will be saved. Words. You're going to hear words that are going to save you. And what were those words? To him, all the prophets witness, whoever believes on him shall receive remission of sins. It's the message that we need to preach today. Let's not forget. Let's not forget. Let's not forget the beauty and the power of this message. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. Paul said it like this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. But then he says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? How are they going to hear without a preacher? How are they going to hear without a preacher? Somebody has got to share the good news. And we are all emissaries of heaven. That's why you're here. You speak on heaven's behalf. Believe in the power of that gospel. You don't have to worry about so much trying to explain it as to just proclaim it and believe that it is all they need to know and hear. And upon believing it, that's where the miracle birth happens. Praise God. All right. And lastly, 
And lastly, John the Beloved. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. John the Beloved. And this commandment we have from him, he who loves God must love his brother also. Paul said, all the laws fulfilled in this one saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let this be your greatest year of loving people. Which means you won't be a fault finder. Which means you will rejoice in the truth. Which means that the love that you express is the love of God that covers a multitude of sins. Hmm? Build one another up. Build one another up. Speak words of life. Be gracious. Be merciful. Let the love of God flow through you this year like never before. Because we cannot say that we love God and hate our brother. It's impossible to do. Abraham and Sarah remind us today that God's promises are worth the wait. Joshua reminds us for this year that God's word never fails. David will remind us to open our mouths and praise his power in every circumstance. Solomon would teach us, watch your words. Jesus teaches us to pray in faith, believe you receive, and to give like you depend on God. Paul, our apostle, teaches us to share his message. And John, the beloved, reminds us to love one another. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you, Lord. For your word, may it prosper in our lives today. May it prosper in our hearts. May your promises, Lord, be our living reality. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here present. I thank you, Lord, for grace and peace to be multiplied to them from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Every need met. Every need supplied. Whatever it is, you are that. You are. You said, I am that I am. Whatever you have need of, he is that for you. He is your supply. He is your help. He is your strength. He is your healer. He is your hope. He is your joy, your peace. Receive from him in this moment. Make this exchange. Give him your burdens. Offer these things to him. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And let God, let God go to work for you. Let him do what only he can do. Thank you, Father God, right now for miracle supply. Thank you, Lord, for your supernatural intervention in the natural course of life. Thank you, Lord, for blessing families here. I declare peace in every marriage, peace in every home, in the mighty name of Jesus. Provision. Thank you, Lord, that you shall supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You are good and you do good. And so this year, God, may this be the year that we experience, Lord, more of you like we've never known before. New experiences in God. New encounters, Father. That we experience more and more of your grace and its beauty in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Praise God. It's great to be with y'all today. God bless you.
Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.